People are the weakest link in any cybersecurity plan. We're distracted, exhausted, and often unmotivated. It's time to change the approach used to protect our businesses, technology, identity, and data. The human element has to be front and center in a war against data breaches and ransomware attacks. It's time to educate. Welcome to the Human Element Podcast. Visit our website at thehumanelement.net for more content to help you strengthen your awareness of the people problem in cybersecurity. I am Scott Gumbar, owner of Nuage Tech, a client-focused, security-minded, proactive IT service provider. Welcome to episode two, Vishing makes phishing campaigns three times more successful. Hello everyone, Scott Gumbar owner of Nuage Tech, we are back again with the second episode of the Human Element Podcast where we talk about, well, the human element of data breaches and ransomware attacks and cyber attacks and all of that fun stuff. And today, I've got an article on infosecurity-magazine.com, Infosecurity Magazine. Um, and the title of the article is Vishing Makes Phishing Campaigns Three Times More Successful by Phil Muncaster. And the article uh, talks about the number one and number two threat vector threat vectors for 2021, last year. And number one probably shouldn't come as a surprise, given what podcast you're listening to, is phishing. Phishing uh, was 41% or globally. Phishing overtook vulnerability exploitation as the top pathway for for compromise globally in 2021, accounting for 41% of initial access attempts, which is up 33% from 33% in 2020. So I went from 33% to 41%. And the number two threat vector was vulnerabilities, and that is um, identified software holes, I guess you could say, in in different software and hardware. So in other words, if I have a, a Microsoft Windows computer, Windows 10 computer, and patch Tuesday rolls around and I don't apply those patches, and some of those patches are for critical vulnerabilities or a zero day, and I don't apply those patches, and my computer is now vulnerable, that's a vulnerability. And that the number two threat vector for 2021 was vulnerabilities. So the Number one, phishing. Number two, vulnerabilities. Uh, and the number for vulnerabilities was um, 30, where did it go? 33%. Uh, I think it was 33%. It's interesting because I wrote an article not too long ago on my company's website, nwajtech.com, nwajtech.com. And the article was the big four. And talked about phishing we talked about and the big four by the way was about the four easiest ways into a business into a network into technical or technology 
based uh, structure, infrastructure. And we talked about the, f- the four easiest ways in. Two of them were phishing and unpatched software hardware. And in the article, it talks about some of the, the more common, commonly exploited vulnerabilities, one from 2021, which was a Java, Java deserialization vulnerability, another one from 2019, which was a Citrix path traversal flaw. So 2019, three years ago, if you have it two, between two and three years ago, if you have it patched a Citrix vulnerability by now, um, you're not doing your, your company any, any service right now. You are doing them a disservice, in fact. And then, of course, we all heard Log4J last year, 2021, which was the one that seems to have put vulnerability as a threat vector over the top and soundly into the number two spot. And then I also listed um, un or I'm sorry, internet-facing Microsoft Remote Desktop Protocol, and the fourth one was weak passwords. Um, and phishing a lot of times and weak passwords can be combined into the same same attack vector. The article also talks about uh, IBM highlighting business email compromise, which we've talked about a lot already on the website, on the humanelement.net, and also on, on my company's website, nawajtech.com. It is the biggest moneymaker. There is a blog post on the website on the humanelement.net that talks about BEC scams, business email compromise scams being the biggest threat um, based on the amount of money it's it's earned, for lack of a better word, I guess, because what happens is somebody inserts themselves into the, an email conversation, usually email, an email conversation, and reroutes a payment to another cyber criminal in this case. So if I'm doing a real estate transaction, and I use real estate as the example because it happens a lot in real estate, and the closing costs are to be wired to an attorney. Somebody inserts themselves in the conversation and says, instead of wiring the payment here, wiring the, please wire the payment elsewhere. And they give them a new address. And there is actually a, a good example of how it happened to a homeowner on the humanelement.net. And, and that was a real story. I changed the names and some of the details, but it's a, it's a real story that someone I know uh, was impacted by, and payment gets sent to the wrong person. The wrong person is usually a criminal who takes that money and runs. It's theft. It's theft using technology and phishing. BEC scams are a form of phishing. But the really interesting thing about this article was, you know, what the title is. It says phishing makes phishing campaigns three times more successful. And what it says is that interestingly. Click rates for average targeted phishing campaign increased around threefold from 18 to 53% when phone phishing, which is also called vishing, was also used by threat actors. And I'm going to give you another real world example uh, in a moment. But the success rate of, of vishing, which is phishing over the phone, is, it, is by itself is not that high. It's not even used that often. However, it is increasing along with smishing, which is text. Uh, But when you combine that with email phishing, it has a three times higher success rate is what it's saying. Um, And this is, of course, according to the X-Force Threat Intelligence Index, which is an FBI. I'm sorry, an IBM, not FBI. IBM 
report for 2022 that came out for 2022, but it's using numbers from 2021. And again, this is on infosecurity-magazine.com. And so the story, well, before I talk about that, vishing is voice phishing. Smishing is text phishing. You could fish somebody from a website. You can put, I could put up a website. I can clone a website almost instantly today and put, put up a, a clone of that website and trick people into um, logging in and giving up their credentials. This happens a lot with Microsoft products. Um, there's QR phishing or crishing, I think they're calling it, QR ishing, and that is using QR codes to fish people. There is, um, I'm forgetting one of the forms of phishing, but as you could tell, there are a number of ways to fish people now. Now, the, the one that gets used the most is email by far. It's not even close. Uh, but the other ones are growing. And with the development of um, deep fakes, you know, where you, you hear a voice call that pretends to be someone or a video that pretends to be someone else. Um, this has happened a lot in the adult industry, adult entertainment industry. Um, but it's starting to hit mainstream a little more and more. And, and the, the what could come of that is pretty scary. You know, thinking political figures and suddenly you find a video of a, you know, a president of the U.S. and the video is not real, but it looks real. It looks legitimate. You know, the, the where this can go is, is um, scary for sure. It's, it's limitless. You know, we, we don't know where it can go yet. Or, or how we're going to recognize things like that yet. But it is something that, that people in the industry are looking into. But let's get back to vishing for a moment. So a few years ago now, someone I know came to me and said that um, their account, their well, they said their Amazon account was compromised. But in reality, their Amazon account wasn't compromised. So this is what happened. Similar to the blog on the human element.net, their email account was compromised. They were reusing passwords, weak passwords that were already on the dark web. Their email account was compromised. They received an email purportedly from Amazon. The Amazon email said, your account has been compromised. Please call us. And it gives them a number. She proceeds to call this number. They answer the phone as if they're Amazon. They sound exactly like Amazon employees would sound. And they say, yes, your Amazon account has been compromised. We need to reset the password. And then they walk the the person through the process of resetting the password on Amazon.com. So they took them to the real Amazon.com, reset the password. And, um, you know, the, the user, the person I know, gets an email saying, yes, your password's been reset. Except the problem is the attackers are also in the email. So they also get the password, the email reset password. And, you know, the they go back in click the link and reset the password again. Um, I think Amazon's email says, if this wasn't you, click here or something along those lines, or maybe they say, you know, click here to reset the password, whatever it is. Um, whatever the verbiage is, they because the attackers were in her email, they were able to go back to Amazon and reset the password again. And this went on for a few days. She got frustrated and the people pretending to be Amazon said, okay, she called the number again. Okay, here's what we're going to do. In order to prove you are who you say you are, because you know the password keeps getting reset after she resets it. So in theory, somebody else could could also own the account and could be resetting the password. And so they're trying to say, well, you have to prove who you are. 
And here's how you're going to do it. You need to purchase $2,000 worth of Amazon gift cards and send it to us. We, of course, will reimburse you. So she does this. She purchases the Amazon gift cards, sends it to um, whatever they, they asked her to send it to. I don't know the details of that. And then realizes, yes, she was scammed. Fortunately for her, Amazon gave her the money back. But this is a scam that worked because they also used the phone and tricked her into calling a number that was not Amazon. So I'm going to give you a few pointers here. Number one, if you're ever told via the phone or even an email, call this number, Google what the real number is and call them back. So let's say, for example, you get a an email or a phone call. Let's say you get a phone call from your bank. So Bank of America calls you up, says, we have an issue with your account. We need to uh, review the account with you. You say, okay, hold on. I'm going to call you right back. You hang up the phone. You Google what is Bank of America's customer service number. You'll find it, 800 number, whatever it is. And you call the Bank of a number, Bank of America number that way. You could do the same with Amazon, with PayPal, with almost anything. I think Facebook's probably the only thing you can't call. But if you have a problem with Facebook, good luck. Um, but you could call any of those companies. You could Google their 800 number. There are directories of 800 numbers out there. Call that number. Or if you have a bank card, the bank card has the 800 number on it. Call that number. Do not divulge any other information while you're on the phone with the people pertaining to be Bank of America or whatever bank you use. Okay. You call the customer service number you have on the back of your bank card or the one you Google, whatever it is. And then you say, I just received a phone call saying, you know, my there was a problem with my bank account. Can you help me out with this? And then they're going to tell you, there's no problem with your bank account. You're fine. And then the call's over. You realize that somebody was trying to scam you, but you one-up them because you knew that it was a scam and you verified that information. Always verify the information. Hang up the phone, call them back. If it really is Bank of America and it really is an issue, they will understand and they will have no problem with you doing with what you did because you saved them the hassle of having to recover money now. Number two, never, ever, ever give out the last four of your social on a phone call. If the person calling you says, are the last four of your social XYZ, one, two, three, it's four digits, I know, I get it. Don't even verify that information. If they have a good idea of where you were born and when you were born, they already have the rest of your social security number, unless you were born after 2011. If you were born after 2011 and you're already receiving these calls, then give us a call because you have, you have other problems to worry about. Never give out the last four of your social. And it's used by a lot of companies, less and less now, but still being used. I'm looking at you, T-Mobile, to verify the account holder when they're calling. You call up. They say, can you verify the PIN on your account or the last four of your social? And the PIN is usually some ridiculous number that you set up 17 years ago, and you don't remember what it is. You know the last four of your social, so what do you do? You give out the last four of your social on the phone. Don't. Don't do that. Number three, now you've heard this podcast. Now you know how email combined with a phone call could be used to fish information out of you. Don't fall for it. Again, there's going to be a phone number in the email. They're going to call you from a phone number. You have caller ID. 
say, I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call back the number, the customer service number I have here in front of me. Google it. If it's Amazon, you Google Amazon and uh, you call that number instead of the number that called you or the number in your email. I've detailed some of these types of scams in the videos that I record on the Nuage Tech website. At the bottom of the homepage, there are some videos and every week I do a phishing review and some of those phishing reviews have like PayPal. PayPal was one of them. Um, I don't remember who the other one was. I think, no, it wasn't Apple. I don't remember who the other one was, but there was another one. And I showed how those are, those are not the real numbers. Those are fake customer service numbers. You're going to call them. They're going to pretend to be PayPal or whoever it is, but it's not really them. And maybe the other one was Amazon. I'm not sure. I think there's even a Best Buy one on there somewhere. Geek Squad. I think there was a Geek Squad one. Um, again, if you're getting phone call and an email, that's pretty suspicious to begin with. Apparently not suspicious enough because it works three times as often, three times as much if they do an email and a phone call. And I can understand that seems a little more um, like it's a legitimate problem if you're getting an email and then 30 minutes later you're also getting a phone call and, and they sound like it's a, they have a little sense of urgency in their voice saying, hey, we have a problem here. We need to address it. Here's what we need to do. They tricked my friend into doing this because they actually took her to the real Amazon website to reset her password. So now you're thinking, all right, this isn't a fake website. This is the real website. I spelled out amazon.com. This is exactly where I would go when I want to buy something. This is the real website. They're, they're showing me how to reset the password on the website. So I must be safe. But what she didn't realize is this, they're already in her, her email inbox. So now they're monitoring for that password reset. And then when they get the email saying your password was reset, they're going back and resetting it again. This is also a good case. Any case really is a good case for it, but a good case for two-factor or multi-factor authentication. Your Amazon account should have two-factor or multi-factor authentication. So should your email. And if they if you have that on both of those, the phone call never happens. Chances are the email never happens. And then they cannot get back into your email to reset the password after you've already reset the password. The gig is up. So again, to recap, verify the customer support number. You can either Google it or look on your bank card or some other piece of uh, information you already have in your hand. But you can also go to Google. Google's going to give you the real 800 numbers or the real customer support numbers, whatever they are. You should um, use multi-factor authentication and um, never give out the last four of your social. And I'm going to add one more complex password policies. We've talked about this. And I, and again, I'll go back to that big four blog post on my Nuage tech website. The big four passwords is one of them. Phishing is another one. So they touched on three of the four here, phishing passwords and oh, I'm sorry, only two of the four phishing and passwords. Um, but vulnerabilities was also the number two threat vector for 2021. So three of the four have been touched, the fourth one being remote desktop protocol. But guess what? If you don't patch that, you're also vulnerable there. So in a way, we touched on all four of them. Um, also, if you have not patched for log for shell or Citrix vulnerabilities from 2019, please take care of that. But again, phishing and vishing with phishing continue to be the dominant force in cyber attacks and phishing as if you visited our website yet 
you all know, is a form of social engineering. There are literally toolkits available for free to help you do these types of attacks and will help you gain access to people's stuff, passwords, financial records, whatever data, whatever you're trying to get. Phishing is the number number one way in. And typically they combine phishing with vulnerabilities and other things. So, but phishing almost always involved at some level or some form of human interaction is involved at some level in an attack. So that's going to do it for episode two. So until next time, remain vigilant.